Charles yet. Charles hangs out, visits us every once in a while down here. <laughs> yeah, he got cut his hair off and his beard down. He look all manicured now. Praise God. Hallelujah. You ready to get into the word of God tonight? Hallelujah. Let's open our Bibles to two openings here. Genesis 1 and Matthew 25. Genesis 1 and Matthew 25. Glory to God. Hallelujah. How many of y'all are in business? You're in business. All right. Good. Good. You're on the right night. Genesis 1. And uh, you know our foundational scripture we've been using, verse 28. Y'all know that one by heart, right? Start off, Pastor. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Let's read it together. Ready, read. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Then let's go over to... Uh, chapter 25 of Matthew, please. Chapter 25 of Matthew. And we'll look at verse, uh, let's start at 24. And we'll go through verse 29. You got it? Okay, verse 24 to 29. Let's read together. Ready, read. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered, scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. That's very important. Verse 29 again says, For everyone who has, to everyone who has, more will be given, and he, who, he will have an abundance. But from him who does not have, all right, <laughs> even what he has, will be taken away. Now, I want to look back at verse 27. Verse 27, the answer that the man gives, and these are the words of Jesus, and this is a, a point he wants to make to us. So you ought, have, ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming, I would have received my, back my own with interest. He says, so you ought to have. Tonight, I want to talk on be fruitful and multiply, part four, you should have. Look at your neighbor in the eyeball and say, you should have. I don't know what it is that you should have done, but tonight you're going to find out you should have. And God's going to give you a chance tonight. Father, thank you again tonight for the opportunity we have to hear your word. We come before you, Father, with uh, humble hearts ready to receive. We lower and decrease uh, our own thoughts, and we get those out of the way. We lift up ourselves to your thoughts. 
so that, God, our thoughts align themselves with your thoughts, Lord. We want you to speak to us from heaven, direct us by your spirit, anoint us, grace us for this cause tonight. In Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Amen and amen. All right, take your seats. Praise the Lord. Be fruitful and multiply, part four, you should have. Now, back in 2018, some of you may remember I preached a series of messages entitled Purpose and Grace. I did. I sure did. It was the end of 2018, around October, November, I preached this message series entitled Purpose and Grace. And um, we're talking about how God gives you grace for your purpose, just to refresh your memory. And in that, just like we've been talking about this believing in Jesus Christ here the last couple weeks, there's a grace that came on you, a grace that was made available to you for salvation. Ephesians 2.8 says that you and I were, by grace we were saved through faith, right? So there's a grace on us to be saved. But then there's also greater grace that, has, that came on us to stay here and to stay with it. How many of you know you need grace to stay with it? You need God's ability to stay with it. God didn't save you like he said in Ephesians 2.8 and then drew you to heaven. No, he left us here, which meant that we needed some grace to stay saved. Not grace to keep sinning, grace to stay saved. Grace to stay out of sin. Grace to stay, uh, to live above the world fray, the world's fray and the world, the world system, right? So there's grace to be saved, grace to stay saved, but there's also a greater grace that comes upon us for purpose. And that's what I minister in that series back in 18, 2018, about when you find your purpose, grace comes on you. How many of you know that, that you don't need to be anointed unless you're going to minister? If you're just sitting around saying, I want to feel the anointing, uh, without having a purpose for the anointing, you're not going to feel the anointing. The anointing comes on you for a purpose. Because when the anointing comes on you, it's not for you. The anointing that comes on you is for others. In Luke 4.18, Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to recover sight to the blind. You understand? Set at liberty to those who are bruised. You got it? So the anointing comes on me for you or on you for me or on us for someone else. Got it? Grace comes on us. Grace is God's ability to give. Grace is God's ability that comes on us to, uh, for the, to function in the gifts and callings. Right? And so grace comes on us to accomplish a purpose. And so what happens, you don't need to, you don't really need this highest level of grace unless you're going to operate in your purpose. You got the first grace. Grace to be saved. Thank God for grace to be saved. Amazing grace. How sweet. Right? That saved a wretch like me. That's that grace we all get. Praise the Lord. But then if you're going to stay here and live on this planet, you need grace. You need grace to operate. Uh, you need grace to live, grace to stay out of sin, grace to, uh, to stop uh, shacking and stacking and slipping and tipping and tripping and dipping and pimping and smoking and joking and all that choking. And all that. You need grace to overcome all that stuff, right? Thank God he gives us that grace in our lives. Amen? 
Anybody who's struggling with an addiction, you got to tap into grace. If you're struggling with any kind of uh, stronghold, you can tap into the grace of God. Paul told Timothy, be strong in the grace of the Lord that is upon you. Be strong in the grace of the Lord that is upon you. Y'all didn't catch that. Be strong in the grace of the Lord that is upon you. So when you get the grace of God on you, it's to be strong. Got it? Praise God. Paul said, uh, uh, my grace, uh, God told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Paul had said, when I'm weak, then I am I strong. Right? So that when, whenever he got into a weakness area, the grace of God came upon him. Got it? But this highest level of grace that I'm talking about tonight, and uh, yeah, tonight, is for operating in your divine purpose. And many people go, they'll, they'll, they'll climb uh, uh, Timbuktu, Mount Everest, and go sit with somebody trying to find a purpose. They'll go and sit in front of Dalai Lama trying to find a purpose. Go and, go and, let, yoke, go and let goats walk on their backs. Trying to discover their purpose. We're doing all kind of stuff. All right? Trying to, y'all know what I'm talking about. These goat yoga people are doing. Goat yoga. Oh, people are doing goat yoga now, letting goats walk and poop on their backs. It's just nuts. This is, I mean, all kind of crazy stuff. Trying to find purpose. But I've been teaching you the last uh, few weeks here on Wednesday nights that we all share one common purpose. And your your individual purpose has to come out of or under that purpose. Remember your common purpose. Y'all remember what it was? Be very good, class. Say it aloud. Found in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. And God blessed them. Then God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply. Replenish the earth. Subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and all the cattle and everything that creeps upon the earth. So on and so forth. Right? So our common purpose that we all have is to be fruitful and to multiply, okay? So then if, when you want to find your individual purpose, your individual bent, it's going to fall under that. Y'all got it? Okay. Now, I told you last week or so, a couple weeks ago, that God equipped us all with intellect, imagination, and creativity. Now, that's so we can fulfill our purpose in the earth. And I showed you last week how through sin, man fell beneath his ultimate place. We called it degeneration, right? We were, we were given God's genes, just like my four children have my genes. That's why they look like me, right? Every one of them, in some form or fashion, they look like me, right? Some of them have my little uh, dimple chin. Some of them have my, uh, one of the girls has my feet, <laughs> right? I'm not going to tell you which one. They have my feet, okay, all that kind of good stuff. They have my genes, all right, my wife's genes. So they look, they look like Oliver's real strong, okay. So <laughs> praise God. And some Williams and everything goes along with that. My Deacon, Deacon Matt was just marking in the office. We were watching uh, Praise and Worship in the office for a moment, and he was looking at uh, uh, Olivia, and he remarked how she looks just like my sister. Just like if my sister had her hair down like that, she'd be the spitting image of my sister. Well, it's in our genes, right? So if you and I are God's sons and daughters, we have his genes. We have his genes. 
So when man fell into sin, man uh, was degened, or he fell into what we call degeneration, right? Which brought us, brought mankind below the ultimate level of, in, of intellect, imagination, and creativity, right? So although you see people in the world doing all kind of wonderful things in the world, artistically and creatively and creatively and intellectually and all that kind of good stuff, they are still below max. In fact, anybody who's, who's listened to anything in the world, you'll hear them say that as humans, we operate on only about 10% of our brain power. Have you ever heard it before? They know that we only operate on about 10% of our brain power. They know there's a whole 90% we haven't even tapped into yet as natural humans. Did you hear that? As natural humans. But what I showed you was, in fact, let's go over to Titus. Let's go to Titus uh, in chapter uh, uh, 3, verse 4 and 5, because we're not degenerates anymore. Right? We're not degenerates anymore. Aren't you happy about that? Verse 4 says, but when the kindness and love, the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, uh, keep going, please, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. So you and I have been regenerated. So we are not degenerates. We are regenerates. So you and I, catch this, this is going to mess you up now, you and I have access to the other 90%. My goodness. You and I can tap into the other 90%. So you and I can use the entire 100% of our brain power, of our intellect, of our imagination, and of our creativity. And I'm just going to tell you this, because I've, I've been in church 48 years. I got born again in 1989, so I've been paying attention since then. And I've never heard anybody really, really teach this in the depth we're talking about. And I'm not saying it hasn't been taught. I'm just saying I've not heard it. So this is new to us, I would think. It's new to me. That we are regenerates, and because we are regenerates, we can use 100% of our brain power, of our intellect, of our imagination, of our creativity. You understand that? The world can only tap into 10%. Now, they talk about these people who they're, you know, the rain men kind of people who tap into a little extra, a little, little boost or whatever. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I don't want to go there. I keep, I'll move on. All right, let me, let me move on. I don't want to offend anybody. All right, so regeneration. Everybody say regeneration. regeneration. Now, I gave you that word last week in the Greek, palagonesia. Palagonesia, which means new birth, reproduction, renewal, recreation, or should I say recreation. Regeneration comes from two words, uh, palin, which means anew again, again, and genesis, which means source or origin. So we're, we, you and I are back to the source or back to the origin. Or God took us as regenerates back to the original. Adam could create. You ought to say that. Adam could create. That's what his job on the planet was to do. When God put Adam in the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Eden looked like the Garden of Eden. Not the rest of the world. Adam's job was to take what he saw, dress it and keep it, dress it and keep it, learn it, and then go out in the rest of the world and recreate. If Adam hadn't sinned, Adam would still be here today. You got it? 
And when, when, when he had finished or when we had come along and we had finished with Earth, we probably would have moved to Mars and Venus and Saturn and Uranus and Pluto and Mercury. No, you couldn't move to Mercury because it's too close to the sun. Well, yeah, it is because of sin. Praise the Lord. So you and I have been regened back to our original capacity. Okay? Now, God expects me then <laughs> to max out what I have. Uh-oh. This is where it gets sticky here, at least. God expects us to max out what we have. I'm going to get to this here tonight. I'm going to get to this here tonight. Because we're talking tonight about you should have. <laughs> I'm not saying you should have. We know you should have. But I'm saying you should have. Got it? So remember now, as humans, unregenerate, humans or degenerate humans, 10%. People max it out. Now, that's, that's your geniuses are maxing out at 10%. Anybody here in Mensa society? You, you in Mensa? Mensa? No? Okay. So that means we haven't maxed out. What is Mensa? Mensa is a society for geniuses. When you hit 120 plus on your, your uh, IQ uh, test, you can qualify for, for the Mensa society. You're labeled a genius. Okay. Now, I was really close. <laughs> now, y'all are laughing, but I'm serious. My wife and I, we were in a program. If anybody who's ever been in the IB program uh, here in Pinellas County, well, it's all nationwide now, of course, but we were in the second year of the IB program. Tamara, you too, right? And uh, there was others that have been in this church here that have been in the IB program. You had, to, you had to qualify with 105 or above to get in there. So we were close. <laughs> Amen. I can't tell you what happened. But we were close. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um, <clears throat> but even if you hit 120, you're talking about 10%. If you are the, the genius elites, if you're the ones programming everything at Google, you're at, you're at 10%. Because unless you're born again. All right? And most people aren't born again. Y'all got it? Y'all with me? Yeah. All right, so you and I have been regened back to our original capacity and our original potential. So God expects us to make, to max out everything he gave us to be fruitful and multiply. Remember I told you he gave us three things to be fruitful and multiply. Intellect, imagination, so he expects us to max out, to make good use of our time, our wealth, our energy, our resources. Okay? Everybody say max out. <laughs> okay. So we can be fruitful and multiply. Praise God. Y'all hanging on. Okay. Now, in Genesis 1:28, when God said, be fruitful and multiply, 
That word multiply comes from the Hebrew word rabah, R-A-B-A-H, R-A-B-A-H, Strong's uh, H7235, which means to be or become great, be or become great. It means to be or become many, to be or become much. To be or become numerous. This is what he's telling us, right? This is the divine order that you and I are under. Thank you, Holy Ghost. (laughs) Y'all with me tonight? Y'all tracking? Okay. To multiply. It means to make large, to enlarge, to increase. It means to increase greatly or exceedingly, to make great, enlarge, now watch this last one, Paulette, do much. (laughs) Y'all ain't saying it tonight. If you don't write any, any other part of that down, I want you to see this last part. Do much. Be fruitful and much. Be fruitful and do much. (laughs) Praise God. Now that's our direct order from God. Be fruitful and do much. Now I told you last week, I showed you a diabolical scheme from the enemy. Remember I showed you Exodus chapter 1. The children of Israel down there in, in Egypt. The way down there in the Egypt land. And at the time we looked at, they were not slaves yet. They were there living freely. But then as they began to do much, the enemy, Pharaoh, saw that they were doing much and got afraid. And said, let's deal truly with them. Let's, let's come up with a, with a trick plan, a, 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 let's conspire to entrap them. He didn't say let's enslave them. That wasn't first. He said let's deal, deal truly with them. Let's come up with a plan that they go along with. See, that, that's the whole thing about a con, about a scam, about a scheme, is you go along with it. So let's come up with a plan that they go along with, and that's dealing shrewdly with them. Do you know your Bible says that the, the serpent in Genesis 3 was the most subtle or the most cunning of all creatures? You know the, the Bible says in Revelation 12 that, that, uh, that Satan was that serpent of old who deceives the whole world? So when it says he's subtle or he's cunning, he's a deceiver. Well, that deceptive spirit entered into Pharaoh. And he said, let's deceive them. Let's deal shrewdly with them. So he tricked them in, it tricked them into trading in all their goods, their gold, their money for things that were worthless. Scholars say they traded their gold in for the scarab beetle. Now, scarab beetle, there's an actual bug called scarab beetles. In the beetle family, there's thousands of species of, of beetles. But they, the Egyptians worshipped the scarab beetle. So they made these little uh, uh, wood 
wood carved images of scarab beetles. So, so they, they got the children of Israel to trade their gold, their money for these little wood carved scarab beetles. <laughs> because they said this is currency now. Your gold is not good here. You got to use scarab beetle here. So once they got all their gold, now they're going to come with their scarab beetle trying to buy bread. And the, you can't buy no bread with no scarab beetle. You need gold to buy bread. They, they traded it all in. You got it? So they dealt shrewdly with them. Then we know, the Bible says they dealt shrewdly with them, but they continued to multiply. They continued to do much. They continued to, to increase and get large. So then he says, okay, this ain't working uh, the, the way we planned, so now we got to put them under hard labor. That's when they begin to put them over in slavery. Uh, and, but let, let's, let's look at, at, before you look at slavery in the modern day term, look at it that they, they begin to put them under such hard work and such hard toil that uh, they couldn't produce. Remember that the whole thing is Exodus 1, they're trying to something from, something from multiplying. <laughs> now the kid's gone tonight. They, they made them work so hard till they, they ain't have time. Y'all understand, right? They made them work so hard, they come home, they're tired. Because they weren't, they, they, he wasn't worried about them, when you read it in this, in this common text, he wasn't concerned about them getting rich, he was concerned about them getting too numerous, too many of them. So the way to stop the population growth was to make them work so hard that they're tired. Like ships passing in the night. <laughs> Glory to God. If I, if I, was, if I was in Darrell, Louisiana, in Leroy Thompson's pulpit, I'd say it like he said it. Man, she's too tired by the time you get home. And she get home, been working all day, too tired, man. Now, y'all ain't saying much, but I'm just... This, but this is literally what was happening in Exodus chapter 1. That was the case. You got it? All right. Let me move on. So what happened, he got them so entangled in a system that they could not see. They weren't free to do much. Put that multiply back on the screen for me, please. That robber. I want you to see this. They couldn't become numerous. They couldn't become great, they couldn't become much, they couldn't uh, become exceeding, and they could not do much. That's thick, yeah, do much. Everybody say do much. Do much. If you're taking notes, you ought to write that down. I'm called to do much. I am called to do much. I'm not Dr. Doolittle. I'm supposed to be Dr. Do Much. And what happens, the devil will get you so entangled in that system out there. Here's the system that, 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 that Pharaoh got them in, that he gets people of God in, is work hard, no, work, borrow, toil. You work, that's, that's it, that they teach us this in school. You work so you can borrow, but then once you borrow, now you got to toil. They don't teach you about the toiling part. They don't teach you about working so you can borrow. But the other end of borrowing is, now you got to toil because you borrow. 
And it's just over and over and over and over again. And, and, the, and the more you borrow, the more, you, the more toil you gotta have, you got to have. And then what happens, the more you toil, you start making more. They say, well, we can loan you more. And then they loan you more, now you got to toil even more. Just because you're stuck. You're, you're in this, on this hamster wheel. You can't get off. And so because now you have to toil, you don't have time to uh, exercise your intellect, imagination, and your creativity. Got it? Okay. So God needs you and me free. <laughs> because he expects us to do much. Yeah, I like that quiet. He expects us to do much. This is a good night for self-evaluation, self-assessment. What am I doing? Am I doing much or am I doing as little as possible? Or am I doing just enough to get by? Some people are satisfied. As long as I can pay, pay my rent, as long as I can pay my lights, as long as I can pay my cell phone and put a little you know, four for four cheeseburgers in my, in my belly, I'm good. I'm doing just enough. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. But the, the mantle and the mandate is to do much. Okay? There's a scripture I gave you before. I brought it back for us today. Romans 14, 12. Romans 14, 12. We're going to get cranking here. It says, each of us, I'm paraphrasing, each of us, I hear you at least, each of us shall give account to God. Romans 14, 12. Each of us shall give account of himself to God. Now remember, we, we're called to be fruitful and do much. So we stand before God. He's going to ask. One of the things he's going to look at is, what do we do? Did you do little or did you do much? Did you do much or did you do just enough? Because I put a mandate on you to do much. Because I need you to move to a place when you do much, you move to a place of rulership where you rule in the earth. And I told you last week where now God rules in the earth through you. You got it? Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. You know, the people who are wealthiest on this planet, they do much. Nobody gets wealthy by doing little. Nobody, nobody uh, takes their company from a small business to a major conglomerate by doing little. They only do it by doing much. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right, now, let's go to Matthew 25, please. Let's cruise over here. Matthew 25. Everybody all right? You still love me? Okay, good. I appreciate that. I love y'all, too. Matthew 25. And uh, verse 14. You know, for sake of time, I'm going to go right to the Passion Translation. Can you get that for me, Matthew 25? 14. We're going to go 14 through uh, maybe 30. Something like, something like that. Give, give the computer a chance to catch up. 
Anybody have that on your phones? Because I'm, I'm, I'm going to need a phone at some point. Have you reached? Yeah, I got it. Okay. Uh, are we getting it? I'm talking about the system here. We just, we just upgraded our, our software and computer. Did everything. Amen. Just waiting on you to catch up with us. All right. Well, tell you what. Let, let me let me let me read. Just give me the King, New King James, and then and then I'll I'll get the passion part when I need it. All right. Okay. Well, we got it. Okay. Just in the nick of time. Nick of time. Okay. It says again, heaven's kingdom realm is like the wealthy man who went on a long journey and summoned all his trusted servants and assigned his financial management over to them. Now this is the parable Jesus is giving and we call it in regular Bibles the parable of the talents. Okay? But look at what it says. This, and remember the parable is about the kingdom of heaven. He's given a picture of himself. Jesus. He said heaven's kingdom realm is like the wealthy man. So if anybody who hadn't read the book yet and think Jesus is poor, there's a chapter here about Jesus not being poor. He described himself, because this is about him, as the wealthy man. Okay? The wealthy man who went on a long journey, that's where he is right now, he's on his, on his journey, and summoned all his trusted servants, that's us, and assigned his financial management over to them. So you and I have been assigned as financial managers of Christ's estate. He inherited the whole world. So you and I have been made managers, or we could call it stewards, of his estate. Got it? Okay, let's keep going, please. Verse 15. Verse 15. Before he left on his journey, he entrusted a bag of 5,000 gold coins to one of his servants to another a bag of 2,000 gold coins, and to the, to the third a bag of 1,000 gold coins, each according to his ability to manage. So notice he knew already their ability to manage. So he gave one guy 5,000 gold coins, one guy 2,000 gold coins, and one guy, uh, the last guy, uh, 1,000 gold coins. Now I'll look this up. I'll look this up just because you want to know how, much, how wealthy this man must be to let these guys hold his money here. The average gold coin, if you were to Google average gold coin price today, is $1,638 for one coin. So if he gave one guy $5,000, that's the equivalent of $8.2 million. The second guy, $3.3 million. And the third guy, $1.6 million. Now, keep that, keep that in mind, $8.2 3.3, 1.6 million. That's in today's money. Now, I'm going to skip ahead. I'm going to come back. Now, later on, he says, you've been faithful over a little. <laughs> Some of y'all will catch it by tomorrow. He calls 8.2 million little. 3.3 million little. 1.6 million little. He said, I'm, I'm coming. I'll make you rule over much. You got it? Okay. You, you read Luke 19. It's the equivalent parable. You'll see that, okay? All right, now, so we're talking about, we're talking about what's much to us 
is little to him. It's a thousand dollars. We're talking about eight point two. 3.3, 1.6. You understand what I'm saying to you? Okay. All right. All right, now, let's keep reading here. I want, to, want you to see that. Each according to his ability to manage. The one entrusted with 5,000 gold coins, the 8.2, immediately went out and traded with the money. And he doubled his investment. Now, this is, this is real good because let me just make sure everybody's up to speed. It says we read about the talents. It's important that the passion and other translations say, talk about money. Because people think talents are talking about he gave somebody the ability to sing, somebody could dance, somebody could dance a jig, and all that kind of this is not, That's not what we're talking about. Talents is a name for money. This is a parable about managing money. This is a parable about doing business. In Luke 19, the, uh, the equivalent parable, he says in Luke 19, verse 13, do business till I come. Got it? Okay. So he went and he doubled his investment. Verse 17, let's go. <clears throat> In the same way, the one who was entrusted with 2,000 gold coins traded with the sum and likewise doubled his investment. Well, good. These guys were 8.2 to 16.4, 3.3 .3 to 6.6. .6. Man, you know, look at that. Verse 18. <laughs> but the one who had been trusted, what you say, don't be the one. Don't, don't let me be the one. I like that. That's a bit of good theme, right? Message for the next time. Next, my priest, little priestess, don't let me be the one. But the one who had been entrusted with 1,000 gold coins dug a hole in the ground and buried his master's money. Okay? Now, this, this is just interesting because he's going he to say some stuff to this guy. Verse 19. Verse 19. After much time had passed, the master returned to settle accounts with his servants. I remember what I told you in Romans 14, 12. Each of us shall give an account of himself to God. So the master returned when the, the day of the, of, of the rapture, when we stand before God in the judgment, we're going to have to give an account of what did you do with what I left you with? Your intellect, your, your, your imagination, your creativity, the money I gave you, the time I gave you, the, the energy I gave you, what'd you do with it? When, when you got regenerated, you could hit 100%. Okay, what'd you do with it? Okay, verse 20, let's keep going, please. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The one who was entrusted with 5,000 gold coins came and brought 10,000, saying, see, I have doubled your money. Keep going, please. Hallelujah. Commending his servant, the master replied, you have done well and proved yourself to be my loyal and trustworthy servant because you have been a faithful steward to manage a small sum. 8.2, small sum. Now I will put you in charge of much, much more. You will experience the delight of your master who will say to you, come celebrate with me. Let's celebrate our uh, banner year. Verse 22, verse 22, let's keep going here. Then the one who had been entrusted with 2,000 gold coins came in and said, see, my master, I have doubled what you have entrusted to me. Now, he, he maxed out, right, what was entrusted to him. So no matter what 
intellect level you feel you are at, what imagination level, what creativity level you, you have, you're supposed to max out what you have. Don't worry about what somebody else has. Max out what you have. Okay? Verse 23. Glory to God. Verse 23. Commending his servant, the master replied, you have done well and proved yourself to be my loyal and trustworthy servant because you are faithful to manage a small sum. Now I'll put you in charge of much, much more. You will experience the light of your master who will say to you, come, celebrate with me. Now you're ready for the get down here. Verse 24. Verse 24. Glory to God. Then the one who had been entrusted with 1,000 gold coins came to this master and said, look, sir, I know that you are a hard man to please. And you're a shrewd and ruthless businessman who grows rich on the backs of others. Now, what kind of indictment? No office, master. I mean, this guy doesn't, didn't know the master, the friend. He didn't really know him. So 25, 25. Watch this. I was afraid of you. He definitely didn't know him. So I went and hid your money. And buried it in the ground. But here it is. I still have it. I didn't lose anything. I didn't lose anything. Take it, it's yours. 26, come on. <laughs> 26. Angered by what he heard. Angered by what he heard. Angered by what he heard. The master said to him, you're an untrustworthy and lazy. Do much? Did you say do much? Lazy servant. If you knew, or in your mind, I was a shrewd and ruthless businessman who always makes a, pro a, a profit, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? Verse 27. Why, why would he say that? Then I would have received it all back with interest. At least I would have had that when I returned. Now, just for, for, for uh, context, let's, let's finish verse 28. Then I want to deal with this here, verse 28. But because you were unfaithful, I will take the 1,000 gold coins and give them to the one who has 10,000. Give me verse 29 too. Verse 29. For the one who has will be given more until he overflows with abundance, and the one who with hardly anything, even what little he has, will be taken from him. All right. So notice all three of these guys were given what the master called a small sum. 8.2 million. 3.3 million, 1.6 million. The master called it a small sum. His expectation was they take that small sum and grow it. Max it out by doubling it. Got it? And two of the guys did well. One guy has a bad opinion and says, well, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to risk losing anything. So I'm just going to bury it for safekeeping. I'm not going to go out on a limb and do anything. I'm not going to take a chance and do anything. I'm going to play it safe and just put your money in a hole for safekeeping. 
Now, notice again God gave them all little because you're always tested with little. You got it? You are always tested with little. God doesn't give you a lot to start out with. He tests with the little. Show me what you can do with the little, and then I'll increase you as you show me, as you prove to yourself to me what you do with this little bit of time, this little bit of wealth, this little bit of energy you have, this little bit of intellect and, and intelligence and, and uh, imagination and creativity, this little that you have, and I'll, I'll increase it when you show me what you do with what you have. You be faithful with the little, over the small sum. Well, I'm not as intelligent as somebody else. Well, show me what you can do with what you have. I'm not as creative as so-and-so. Show me what you can do with what you have. See, because if you don't, you're never going to have more. Because <laughs> God's not going to waste anything. You got it? Now, somebody had the, your, the passion on your phone, right? Okay, I'm going to go back to verse 27. 27, right here, the same chapter, right here in the, in the passage, verse 27. Give, give me verse 26 and 27, verse 26 and 27. He says, anger about what he heard. The master said to him, you're an untrustworthy uh, and lazy servant. If you knew I was a shrewd and ruthless businessman who always makes a, makes a profit, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank, verse 27, verse 27? Then I would have received it all back with interest when I returned. All right, now, put in the bank. Now, I found it interesting, the Passion Translation, uh, the, the writers of that did a little digging. If you have a passion, there should be a little letter or something on verse 27. Depending, if you, anybody use Bible Gateway, like I always recommend? Okay, if you're on Bible Gateway, you should see a little letter or a little number on verse 27. Nope. Let me see yours. Oh, you're using the app. See, I use I use the website. I, I always tell you the app you don't get as many features. Anybody use the website? BibleGateway.com. Huh? BibleGateway.com. You on what website? Bible 25? Who is that? Yeah, it's supposed to be in the passion. What do you mean the passion? Okay, and the passion. Okay, if anybody has that on the Bible Gateway app, BibleGateway.com, you click on 27. There's a little B, a letter B. Well, there's a, yeah, there's an A on 26. But on verse 27, there's a B as in B, boy. Okay? I'm messing with you. So, notice, listen to this. Everybody has it, somebody see it, so you know I'm not making this up when I read it, right? Okay. So, on the little B, when you click it, it says, the Aramaic can be translated why didn't you throw my money into the offering? Then I would have returned to ask for what was mine together with its bounty. 
the implication is that money given in a sacred offering to God will be returned by even more by God's generosity. So y'all saw that, right? So you know I'm not making it up. <laughs> so the implication is, is that until you have the ability, okay, for example, people who, go, who are trying to go into business, I always tell people in business, you need seed for your business. You need seed. I'm not talking about in the, in the kingdom. You need literally seed for your business. You got you to gotta buy your products and you have to pay for a website or you got to pay for photos to be done or you got to pay for, you know, rental space. You, gotta, you need seed. You need money for your business. What happens is until you get enough money for your business, you got you to gotta sow that seed in the kingdom. Because from the kingdom, you'll get bounty out of that and that will begin the seed for your business. You got it? If you, if I, I don't remember who it was. I heard originally say this, but they said if you don't have enough to meet your need, then what you have is a seed. Because see, you could you could go the business loan route, but then that's now I got a now I got a toll for that business. <laughs> now now the business owns me instead of I own the business. Or you could seed into the kingdom for the business because what, when you're seeding into the kingdom, you're taking care of God's business. And when you take care of God's business, then he's going to furnish what you need for your business, which you're going to dedicate to him anyhow. Right? So he's going to supply the needs for your business. Now, I just thought it was important. I thought it was interesting when I saw it in the, in the passion. And you, I'm like, wow. Because I've never, I never seen any of the translation, but they, they went and gave the Aramaic. Uh, rendition of that same verse, okay? Now, let's keep going here. Go back to verse 27, please. Oh, here we're here. Then I would have received it all back with interest when I returned. Okay, now give me verse 27 in the Amplified. Okay? Y'all sit with me. I'm almost done. Not really. But just, <laughs> I'm saying that just to keep you hanging out. 27. <laughs> In the, in the Amplified, let's, let's, in fact, let's do 26 and 27 and Amplified. Let's see if this computer can keep up with uh, my fast pace. I might have to go back to a, a PC. I'm messing with Kirkland. He had us going pay all his money for an Apple. When did we just get that thing? Monday? Tuesday we just went about that? Brand new Apple. No, I, I need it on here. I need you all to see that. Why are they getting it? Let me read this. Okay, so 26 and 27 in the Amplified says, But his master answered him, You wicked and lazy and idle servant, did you indeed know that I reap where I have not sowed and gather grain where I have not winnowed? Verse 27, Then you should have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received what was my own with interest. You should have invested my money. All right. Now, I'm not talking about offering now. I'm talking about now. He said you should have invested it with the bankers, which means that God sees the benefit of you putting your money in the bank and not a coffee can. Here's how. When you put your money in the bank, especially in a, a, a higher yielding, higher, higher interest yielding account, 
Here's, here's how banks work. I, one day I sat down and, I, and the Lord showed me, well, I studied it, but the Lord opened my eyes to see it and how banking works. For every $100 you put in the bank, that you put in the bank, a bank can loan out 900 That's the way, it's, it's all fake money, that's my point. For every $100 that's in a bank, a bank can loan 900 because it's all electronic, it's fake. Got it? How much, how much I say? 100 for you, they can loan out 900 based on your 100. So when they loan out 900 to somebody, somebody's gonna pay them interest back. They're gonna charge somebody 8% interest for their car, or 12% interest for their credit card, or 25% interest for their credit card, or student loan, whatever they're gonna charge them for. Then they're gonna pay you back 0.002% <laughs> on your 100, right? When you do that, that makes you a lender. You didn't catch that. That makes you a lender, not a borrower. When you put your money in the bank, especially in high interest yielding accounts, this is what Jesus is talking about here. In your coffee can, it don't do any good. In your mattress under, underneath your, your, you know, in your bed, it don't do any good. Even in your safe at home, it doesn't do you much good. Okay? All right. Let's keep going here. The computer caught up with us. How about that, Apple? <laughs> okay, I would have received what was my own. With Kirkland is getting hot, I know. I'm just messing with him. Okay, now notice what it says here. Look at these words. Then, can you go back to verse 26? 26. Let's see if you take us all day to get 26. Okay, 26. He said, <laughs> "You wicked and lazy, and idle servant. Did you know so and so and so forth?" Now 27. Now 27. Now 27. Now 27, then you should have. Since you knew what I was looking for, you should have. Now listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. It's March 2020. Okay, this is March the 11th. Okay. The word has already been released for last year. All right, visitation. This year, vision manifestation. So that means everything's happening now. Regardless of what year this is, every one of us is at a certain point in our own lives. Some of us are in our 20s. Some of us are in our 30s. Some of us are in our, well, I keep going. Some of us are in our 40s, Thomas. Keep going. Some of us are in our 50s. Keep, okay, it's right there, okay. Some of us are in our 60s. I hear one woo. 70s. 80s. I got some 80s in here. So regardless of this being 2020, you're at an age right now where you're expected to produce. You're expected to do much. And I can tell you this from having spent a lot of time, when I used to visit, especially Brother Tony, who's in heaven now, thank the Lord. 
in the nursing home, one of the biggest factors of depression in nursing home is a word called regret. It's when they look back over their lives and say, I coulda, I woulda, I shoulda, or I coulda, shoulda, woulda. Y'all ever heard that? But I didn't. And people look back with serious, I mean, one of the heaviest burdens or weights a person will ever carry in their lives is the burden of regret. There are people who get married at 30 years old. And as wonderful as that should be, they regret, man, I wish I had gone to Paris when I was 20. Because now I'm married, now I'm pregnant, I got these kids coming, and I ain't never going to get to go to Paris. I'm just telling how people feel. Y'all looking to be funny, but I know, truth be told, I should have gone to school and done this. I should have done, I should have gone over here. I should have done, should, I should have, I should have. Right? So every one of us has some sort of should have in our own minds already. But I want to show you God's should have. Because when we stand before God and give an account, he's going to say you should have. So we want to get over that regret. Give me, can we get the message translation? Let me ask. If so, I want to go to verse 24 through 30. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of speed read it. Time is, thank you. Got my amen corner over here to the left. Uh, Matthew, 20, Matthew 25, verse 24 through 30 in the uh, message translation. You have that? Oh, you, that's somebody else's Bible? Wow, that's all right. It's got four different translations in there. That's all right right there. Okay, when you read it, I think they found it. Okay, let's go back to verse 24, though. 24, 24. Praise God through 30. Okay, it says, the servant given 1,000 said, Master, I know you have high standards and hate careless ways. Y'all see this? that you demand the best and make no allowances for error. I was afraid I might disappoint you. So I found a good hiding place that secured your money. Here it is, safe and sound, down to the last cent. He said, Master, I know you demand the best. All right, keep going, verse 25. 25. Oh, that, that probably was 25. Okay, 26 and 27 says, the master was furious. That's, listen, watch this, this is big. This is big, Angie. That's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that if you knew I was after the best. To never step out. To never launch out. To never try. To never go after it. He said it's criminal to live like that. Well, you know, I just, I like my job and, you know, I have good benefits. And, you know, I don't ever want to bother with my benefits. And, you know, I got health care and I got dental. I got vision. And, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to mess with all that. You know, I got, I got a 401k and I got a 403b and I got my pension plan. And I, you know, I got, I got my little, my little, it's safe right here. 
I only, I only, I only have seven, 17 more years to work, and I'll be able to retire. And it's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? You did less than the least. He said the least you could have done or what we could say what you should have done was have been to invest a sum with the bankers where at least I would have gotten a little harvest. I would have gotten a little interest. That's no, I'm sorry, I read that wrong. I don't know. I thought that would say harvest for a second. That's my seed mindset. At least I would have got a little interest. Praise the Lord. 28. Go to the next, the next section here. Next section. 20 to 30 says, take the thousand and give it to the one who risked the most. You see this, Chris? The one who risked the most. Who stepped out. Took a chance. Don't be scared. And get rid of this play it safe. That's what he called that man. He called him a play it safe. Ooh, y'all ain't saying nothing. Get rid of the play, this play it safe who won't go out on a limb. Throw him into utter darkness. The next section is about sheep and the goats. So in other words, <laughs> did that hit you right in the crawl right there? So to step out with God, you can't be a play it safe. Y'all got a few more minutes? All right. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, it's criminal to live like that. What do you mean it's criminal? You are robbing God of his return. You are robbing God of his return. He already made the investment in you. Time, talents, treasures, wealth, resources, intellect, imagination, creativity. He already invested in you. He already got plans for you. Got a predetermined path for you. Got a good life prearranged made ready for you to live. He said, it's and the grace to get it all done. So if I don't step out on a limb, which if you're going to walk in faith, it's going to require you to step out on a limb. And I don't mean a limb like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. No, you're you following God. So if it's a sure limb. <laughs> it's a big old limb. It ain't going to break on you. But you got to be willing to sometimes step out of the boat. <laughs> All right. I'm going to show you a couple things here real quick. I've been telling you, the Lord told me in 2018, everything we had heard is for now. Everything we hear from now on is for now. The Lord came and spoke through Apostle Durber about 2019, year of visitation, 20, the year of vision manifestation. So everything is on a manifest now time. 
God told me, he told me that in, in 2018, he said, it's my time now. What that means is, is that we're in a Kairos season. Now, some of y'all know what Kairos is. Kairos, two words in the Greek for time, two of the main words that are used, rather, are Kairos and Kronos. Kronos meaning it's 8.48 p.m. It's going about to be 8.49 p.m. That's Kronos, time, minutes, chronological. Kairos means an opportune season. It's an opportune time. It's not a particular time of day, a particular time of month. It's a set time by God where, that he moves. He opens a window. He peels back a cover. He gives an instruction. And when you move in that now time, in that Kairos time, then God moves with you. And there's a special grace that comes on you to max out no matter what level you're on. And I've been telling you, you have to move now. There's no more time for putting things off to 2021. No, move now with what you have. No, oh boy. Say it again, Chris. You got to move now with what you have. Sometimes you can get paralyzed by your planning. Getting ready to get ready. What, what y'all doing? Well, we getting ready to, no, you, you, I, 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 that frustrates me when I keep, hear, keep, keep hearing people say, well, we getting ready to. Even, I, I got frustrated when I kept hearing people saying God's about ready to. God's not about ready to do nothing. God is ready right now. He is ready, Freddy, right now. All he's waiting on is someone else who's ready to move with him. Somebody who said, I'm going to put my seatbelt on and take these brakes off and I'm going to ride with God. Because God is about to move high speed. So the thing is, you and I have to move with what we have now. <laughs> Glory to God. I remember when, when, when the Lord spoke to us <laughs> in 2018. We were in this fast. The Lord spoke to me about going on YouTube and starting to do TV broadcasts. And I delayed it so long. I delayed it so long. You know why? I'm like, well, I don't have no camera system, and I don't have this, and I don't have no studio and all that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, uh, the, the beginning, the, the mid-2019, I heard God say, now! It was, no, it was March. I'm sorry. March 2019. He said, he said now. He said, I was, I was in prayer. He said, what are you waiting on? That's how I heard it. What are you waiting on? Like that. I know some of y'all never been yelled at by God, but I, be, I got yelled at. What are you waiting on? <laughs> well, I just start with what I had. <laughs> I ain't have no partners. I no cameras. No sound equipment. No studio. No lights. You better start what you got. And now in a, just a suddenly season, a move. Now God's opening doors because we're in a Kairos time, a Kairos moment. And I'm start, we started with what we have. Are you catching what I'm saying to you? So, so you got to start with what you have. What do you have in your house? <laughs> now, all right. Nine minutes to finish this. In Kairos moments, when there is an instruction or a prompter from God, you must move and hold nothing back. 
okay? Listen to me. This is our Kairos moment. Now. And what you don't want to do is get out of this Kairos moment and look back and God says, you should have. You should have. You want to be able to look back and say, I did. Can I show you this here? Are y'all sure? Are y'all nervous or something? Go to Luke 5. Go to Luke 5. You're in Matthew, right? Mark, Luke. Luke 5. You should be there already. Luke 5. You know that many of you know this story where Jesus is on the, the seashore and he's teaching the crowd and he wants to get out a little ways from the crowd. And so Peter's been there washing his nets. He, he and his partners in their, their uh, fishing business, they're done for the night, done for the day rather. They've been fishing all night, done for the day. They're packing it in. Jesus says, let me, let me use your boat. And he gets on the boat and he pulls out a little, just a little bit from land and says, hey, I'm going to teach. And when he finishes teaching, he tells Peter, watch this down in verse, in verse um, 4. Are you there? When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep, into the deep, and let down your nets for a catch. This is a Kairos moment. Jesus is on the boat. He gives a word, which means something's about to happen. Now, Peter says to him, Master, we've toiled all night, all night. Now, what he doesn't know was all night wasn't a Kairos night. He went back into Kronos. We've toiled all night. He went back into Kronos time. But when Jesus Christ spoke, it became a Kairos time, a Kairos moment. When I tell you to let down your nets, let down your nets now. Got it? I wish y'all would listen to me tonight. He said, let down your nets for a catch. Now, notice when he says, let down your nets, the word nets is plural. Nets. Verse 5, but. But. It didn't say and. But, which means we're about to juxtapose something here. Right? But, Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, Lord, I, I believe you, I will let down the net. The word was let down your nets. He said, I will let down the net. Now, I've heard theologians try to teach, well, net, nets is the same thing. No, because watch this, because the, the very next verse says in verse 6, and when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net, t -t -t -t. again, it says plural, a singular net was breaking. The word was let down the nets. He let down the net. Peter, what you should have done. was let down the nets. The master said nets. The word came from the master, but the problem was your low expectation because of your little experience. You had had bad experience 
fishing all night. You didn't realize that God's word was going to trump your experience. It didn't matter how many times you had fell all along. It didn't matter if the business had closed last week. When God gives your word, the moment that word comes, you're in a Kairos moment that you're guaranteed to have success if you move in the moment. So don't get haughty. Don't get, don't get smart and let down a net. When he says let down the nets, when he says let down the nets, you let down the nets. If he had let down the nets, it wouldn't have been breaking. He ended up having to call his partners in the other ship. And look at this. Verse 7, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. sink. Peter what you should have done. So we know they caught an astonishing catch of fish, right? But what would they have caught? <laughs> Y'all, this is what I want you to catch. I mean, they, they got some that made them sit like, oh my God, but what, how much did they miss? That's, see, that, that's what we don't know here, how much they missed. Unprepared, because they didn't move in the moment. He got, he got, a, he got a, 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 he got a sense about himself that went contrary to the Kairos moment word he just received. He went back to the flesh. We told all night. We already tried this before. Right, that's the problem with some of y'all now. I already tried this before. I already tried it. I already did it. It didn't work out. I don't care. What does that have to do with now? What does that have to do with now? What does all your failures have to do with now? Can I show you another one? Second Kings 4. Second Kings 4, Old Testament. <laughs> Glory to God. Second Kings 4. Tell you that, you should have. have. <laughs> I don't want you to have any regrets. Amen. We're in a Kairos moment. You, don't, you can't, can't afford to have any regrets. Well, I'm doing all right. <laughs> Look at you. Doing all right. God is talking about you doing all right. God is not talking about you doing all right. You in 2 Kings 4? Woman is in debt. Her children are about to be taken. She calls on the man of God, Elisha. Verse 1, your servant, my husband, are dead, and you know that the servant, your servant feared the Lord. The credit is coming to take away my two sons to be his slaves. That's exactly what happens when people get in debt, right? So watch verse 2. What shall I do for you? Tell me what do you have in the house? What can we use to get you, get you out of this? Come on now. And she said, your, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. I know y'all know this story. Just, just follow along. Then he said, then he said, here comes the instruction from the man of God. Then he said, go 
borrow vessels from everywhere. From all your neighbors. Empty vessels do not gather just a few. Barbara, you see this. He says, go everywhere. Get them from all your neighbors. Empty. Do not gather just a few. Don't do little. Do much. I'm telling you ahead of time. This, this is what the prophet, the prophet is getting word and instruction from God to get this woman out of this mess. He remembers, yeah, that's right. Your servant, your, your husband did serve the Lord. God's got a reward for your husband. He's got a reward for his, your husband's labor. God's got something big planned for you. You ain't got the word. I know your husband's gone and he had no insurance to take care of all this, but God's, God, God is not unrighteous to forget his work and labor of love and that he ministered to the saints and he did minister. So God's going to take care of, of what your husband left behind. So get ready for a big, a big outpouring. Do not gather just a few. Don't think small. See the instruction? It's a Kairos moment. All she has is oil. <laughs> a little jar of oil. Oh, my goodness. And when you have come in, verse 4, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons and pour it into all those vessels and set us out the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it, the oil, out. Now it came to pass. When the vessels were full, that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. Y'all see this here? She said, bring me another vessel. We in a flow. Every time I pour, it keeps coming. I pour out, fill a jar, fill a vessel up, look it back at my jar, and it's full again. We in a flow. Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So, the oil ceased. I got a question for you. Why did the oil cease? Because there are no more vessels. We're not told how many vessels that they gathered. But obviously they didn't gather enough. Because there was still more oil to flow. That oil would have flowed as long as they had vessels. But the moment they ran out of vessels, the moment they ran out of, out of preparation, the oil ceased. Because the oil was flowing in a moment. The oil was flowing by divine instruction. The oil was flowing by divine, by divine impartation. But the moment they ran out of prepared vessels, the oil stopped. So you know what I say to the boys? You should have had more vessels. 
He told you, go borrow from everywhere. They probably went wherever it was convenient, just right there on their little block, right as far as they could, they could see, you know. Once, once it got dark, that's enough. That's, a, that's enough. This, this ought to do it. Think about them in their mind. This ought to do it. That's, that's enough. She should have said, boy, go, run, out there, run out there and get some more. Find something. But it was too late. The moment there was no vessel, the oil ceased. Now, I hear somebody saying, but pastor, they, they did it good. They got out of debt. Yes, they got out of debt. They got out of debt. Yes, they did. And the Bible says she and her son lived with the rest. Yes, they did. She and her sons. But a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So they did well, Chris, but they didn't max out. Is anybody catching this here? All right, it's after 9 o'clock. Let me give you one more place. One more place. <laughs> tell your neighbor, you should have. Tell, tell them, you should have you moved. You should have moved when the Lord said move. You, you should have been ready when the Lord said be ready. You should have you started when the Lord said start. You should have launched out when the Lord said launch out. You should have gathered more. You should have... You should have been more prepared. You should have had everything ready. You should have, you should have jumped the moment the man of God said jump. You should have moved right then. Good thing is we still got time, baby. <laughs> this is the year of vision manifestation. You got to move now. I tell you that you got to move now, though. You got to move now. Start with what you have. You got to move now. details. God will work the details out for you as you go. As you go. You just start. All right. 2 Kings 13. Same book. Let's close out in this same book here. 13. I hope somebody's getting blessed and challenged tonight. <laughs> You're going to like this one. 2 Kings 13, I'm going to start at verse 14. You got it? Okay, here it is. Elisha, this is the same prophet we just read about in chapter 4. Elisha had become sick with the illness of which he would die. Okay? Then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face. He said, oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. Joash was panicking because if you read early in the chapter, they were down because they had just faced the Syrian army. They were down to 50 horsemen, 10 chariots, and 10,000 foot soldiers. Their, their, their army, their, their military had been uh, just depleted. They had been destroyed by the Syrians. The Syrians were oppressors. The Syrians would oppress them. This is important. So they're under serious oppression. Financial constraints that's killing off their people. Now watch. Verse, 20, verse 15, rather. And Elijah said to him, now he's, he's worried about the future. 
Watch this, Elder Jeff. And Elijah said to him, take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, this is Elijah talking, the man of God talking. Who's talking? Talking to the king. Y'all are kings, right? Kings and priests. We're kings and priests, right? He said, take a bow and some arrows. He took himself a bow and some arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. So he, the king, put his hand on it. And Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. So not only does he have a word, but he has an impartation. When the man of God put his hands on his hands, he, he symbolically let him know that I'm about to leave here, but God is going to be with you. So watch this, though. Watch this. Get excited about this, but watch. What you're about to do now is going to determine what's going to happen in your future. Watch. So Elijah put his hands on the king's hands. And he said, open the east window. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. And he, Elisha said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syrian oppression. For you must strike the Syrians at Aphek till you have destroyed them. God will be with you to destroy your oppressor. Whatever's been holding you back financially, spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, physically, God said you're going to strike them down. You're going to destroy them. Now watch. Are you ready for this? Verse 18. Then he said, Elisha said, take the arrows. So he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So, I'm so excited right here. So he struck Three times and stopped. Now look. He struck three times and the Bible says stop. Now the Holy Ghost is, 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 is keen to point out that he stopped. He, we could have read so he struck three times, period. But the Holy Ghost wanted to point out that he struck three times and stopped. In other words... He, 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 he had three appointments and stopped. He made dinners three Saturdays and stopped. Made three phone calls and stopped. Did three, high, three heads and stopped. Y'all ain't hearing me. Did three orders. I need you to see yourself. I did it three times and stopped. The Bible, the Holy Ghost makes sure we know he stopped. If, am I right about it? Is that in everybody's Bible? He put that in everybody's Bible and stopped. I want to ask you, what have you stopped? What did you try a couple times and stopped? Because watch what it says, the next verse. 
And the man of God was angry with him. The man of God got angry. Because I'm giving you a word in a Kairos moment that's going to change your future. The man of God got angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria until you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. Your oppressor is going to still be there. Because you did it three times and you stopped. You made three of your little products. And you stopped. talk about you. I'm just, this, this is for you. But I want you to see the man of God got angry. And God gets angry because he's looking for a return on his investment. He didn't give you all that ability, all that creativity, all that intellect, all that imagination for you to do it three times and stop. <laughs> he said, you should have struck five or six times. In other words, you should have done it until they were utterly destroyed. In other words, what, what, he, what he really said, Shante, is you should have shot till you ran out of arrows. You should have kept shooting till you ran out of arrows. Dwight, you know this in basketball, in, in basketball, uh, Tyrone, you know it too. In basketball, man, when, 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 a, when, a, when a shooter, when a shooter hits a, he's got a cold night, his, his teammates tell him, man, you keep shooting. You keep shooting until you get hot again. You don't shoot one time away, then go in, and you stop shooting. No, you keep shooting until it goes in. Tell your neighbor, keep shooting until it goes in. Don't shoot three times and stop. Man, I sold three pies and stopped. Just stop? Who told him to stop? Himself. In his mind, oh, that was enough. He thought he had it. The man of God got angry. Why didn't you shoot five or six times, bro? You, in other words, you should have kept going. Here's the issue, ladies and gentlemen. Joash who was his king, he wasn't angry enough himself. He, he hadn't come to the point where he had had enough of the oppression. Because I'm thinking, if he's talking about Syria and this oppression on me, and he says, shoot the ground, strike the ground, man, I'm, I'm so mad, I'm just going to keep shooting. The, when I run out of arrows, I'm going to get a brick and a rock, I'm going to just... I'm mad because I'm tired of I'm tired of being oppressed. I'm tired of my people being oppressed. I'm tired of my family being oppressed. The problem was he hadn't had enough of oppression yet. And the reason many people in the body of Christ quit is because they ain't tired of being broke yet. They ain't tired of the debt yet. They ain't tired of the lack yet. They're not angry that that my, my wife got so angry one day we, that we couldn't get no pancakes and chicken. 
That one day changed our lives. See, until you get angry enough that you keep shooting, you're going to stay right there. That's why the man of God got angry. Because he said, I'm looking for somebody who had enough. Tired of this mess. Tired. Okay, some of y'all, I'm doing all right. Tired of doing all right. Tired of this level. I'm doing all right. Yeah, great. Get enough of great. Get enough of that. Are you supposed to do is shoot, reload, shoot, reload, shoot, reload. Till you, till you break through. You keep working until it works out. And the man of God told him, you should have struck five or six times. I close like that tonight. (laughs) Whatever you have done, Whatever you have, wherever you have stopped, wherever you have run out of vessels, wherever you have only let down the net, I'm telling you, you should have. And thank God for his grace and his mercy. Because he said, I'm going to let you do it again. This time. You don't stop shooting. Till you, till you can't stick to your arm wall. Till you've given it absolutely everything you have. And when you think you've given everything you have, you've given out the grace of God, and come on, you're going to find out, oh, I, can, I can do some more. That's when you can. That's what this grace is all about. If you love the Lord, Meditate his word day and night. You keep his commandments. You stay away from evil. Psalm 1 verse 3 says, whatsoever you do will prosper. It says, whatsoever you do will prosper. But you have to do much. You set out to do much. God will cause whatsoever you do prosper. And I don't want you to stand before God or or get to a certain age in your life and look back and say, I should have. And anybody can tell you, well, you should have. No, you're going to say, I did. Here's the fruit. Here's the harvest. Here's the production. Here's the legacy. Y'all got it? Y'all receive it? Why don't you give God a praise if you receive that word tonight?
I'm called and I'm empowered to do much. I'm not going to think little. I'm not going to think just enough. Gonna let my imagination run wild. Let God fill my imagination. My imagination chamber. That's what Pastor Durbin's been preaching on the last few weeks here. The imagination chamber. Let God fill that chamber with all kind of pleasant and precious riches inside so it'll manifest on the outside. Father, I pray tonight for every person in this room that they have heard your voice and received and risen to the challenge to do much. Your word says, Father, that those of us who know our God shall be strong and do exploits. We're God, we're, we're programmed to do much. We're programmed to do big things. You have empowered us by the Holy Ghost, filled us with your spirit. Let us abound in your grace, that grace that will produce an abundance. Thank you, Lord, for your abundant grace. Father, forgive us for doing the least and sometimes doing less than the least. Forgive us for living cautiously in a sense that, Father, we hear you and can sense your tugging but don't move because we're too cautious naturally. God, I pray that you will give us opportunity, divine opportunity right now to do it again. We pray for open doors. We pray for this Kairos moment to be extended for us to jump into the flow, jump into your river, to flow with you, to move with you, to operate, Father, by your spirit and by your grace. Now, I pray that wherever there has been a regret, that God, that we give the opportunity to, re to replace that regret with celebration of what you allow us to accomplish and do, the same way you invited those two men, those two servants of yours who did increase, who did multiply, you invited them into a celebration with you. One translation said you made them your partners. So I pray, Father, that God, that you will show us how, Lord, as we operate by your spirit and by your leaders, we begin to produce that we see ourselves as workers together with you for the upbuilding of your kingdom. That, God, when our businesses explode, when our businesses increase and multiply, that we can employ hundreds and thousands of people, Father, 
to work in a culture and an environment where they learn to serve the Almighty God. Where we can be working together with you, Father, and produce movies and plays and books and music that glorifies Jesus Christ without compromising. That we can be partners together with you, Father, to produce all sorts of things, Father, products and inventions and whatever it is that we are, are called to do, Lord, that will honor and magnify Jesus in the earth. I pray, Father, that these are precious people will have a mind to keep shooting, to keep shooting, to keep shooting until we just run out of arrows. And we know, Father, the way that you operate, when we run out of arrows, you'll put more arrows supernaturally in our sack, and we'll just keep shooting and keep shooting and keep shooting until the oppression is destroyed, not only over our lives, but over our children and our families and our loved ones and our friends and people in our community, Father. Thank you that God will lead a whole people out into a glorious freedom. Now I pray for your people to be blessed and live in that blessing and function in that blessing all the days of our lives. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you all the honor. In Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Amen. And amen. Put those hands together once again, please. And thank our Father. Hallelujah.